Support for this podcast comes from Invent Together. I bet you didn't know that inventing activity by black inventors peaked in 1899, and it has never recovered. Black and Hispanic college graduates patented half the rate of white college graduates. That's just one of the reasons why you need to know about Invent Together. When our patent system gets more diverse, our nation will get stronger and more successful. Find out how you can help diverse inventors and unleash economic opportunity at inventtogether.org. Hi, welcome to The Pollsters. I'm Margie O'Mara, Democratic pollster with GBA Strategies. And I'm Kristen Soltis-Anderson, Republican pollster with Echelon Insights. And each week we bring you the polls driving the latest news in politics, tech, and pop culture. So thanks to Patrick for filling in for me last week. I was on vacation. I can say that now since it's behind me. <laughs> I don't. Oh, I think I, I, I blew up your. I, I think I blew up your spot a little bit. <laughs> I don't think I said like where you were. I don't even know if I knew where you were. I would never do that. I would never out you in that way. But uh, <laughs> I think it's okay. It's okay. It, um, it's totally fine. Well, because now I'm no longer on vacation. It was fine, and it was not like I was really dodging anybody. I was I was basically dodging the pollsters. Everybody else found me. So, so it's fine. Where, uh, you know, they don't give out awards for relaxation, I don't think. But if they did, I would not have won one for sure. But um, my kids enjoyed it. So it was a good time. And now I'm back, but I am on the road and Kristen's at the studio with Richard. And there is no shortage of news and polls to talk about. So what are the top lines? This week's top lines. Donald Trump's numbers have held steady, but Melania's have not. Nor has the generic ballot, which is now looking a lot uglier for Republicans. Then family separation is the story of the moment. We'll talk about what people say about what they what is happening down at the border. Um, we'll have some polling on how, what people have digested from the North Korea summit now that a little time has passed. Do they think anything will change with Kim Jong-un? And do we need a celebrity candidate. There's an extensive amount of polling on fave on faves of a whole bunch of celebrities. We will dive in. And finally, it's the World Cup. I'm very sad because I missed an exciting goal uh, by Suarez, my unconventional choice for our favorite soccer player. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the World Cup and who's watching it and who's not. Of Suarez course. is the guy who bites people, by the way. I just, oh. in case you don't know anything about soccer, I don't. he's the guy who got in trouble for biting people. Mm. But he's my favorite because he plays for FC Barcelona. And there's a story that came out during the last World Cup about how actually he has a heart of gold. I believe it. Oh, you know, he feels <laughs> it, I guess. He feels it. You know, soccer was... World Cup was my Father's Day present to my husband, which is I will leave the house. I will take the children. <laughs> you can watch the World Cup by yourself. <laughs> well, and, <laughs> that is my and gift England to you. is in it. The United States is not, which is a bummer. I remember four years ago when Patrick and I launched Echelon, we spent a lot of time like going from, you know, random hotel lobby coffee shop to random hotel lobby coffee shop like watching the World Cup on TVs in hotel lobbies as we worked because we didn't have an office yet. <laughs> so not having the U.S. in the World Cup is making me sad. Hmm. Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So the poll of the week first is from Pew. And Pew, you know, what's great about what Pew is able to put together is they can do experiments that for a lot of 
projects that we get hired for, they don't, you know, don't always have the budget or capacity. If you're trying to help a candidate, they're not going to spend their research dollars like doing a full experimentation of the kind that Pew can do because that's what Pew's mission is. So they did something and they're kind of on the beat of how do we process news and think about news and information um, that is obviously important right now. So they looked at what's a factual statement versus what's an opinion statement. So like real, um, like news literacy. And these are the kinds of, you know, I remember having to learn this kind of thing in school. I mean, these are the kinds of conversations or things you learn when you're studying writing and argument in as when you're young. And so they tested five different statements that were factual and five different opinion statements and asked people to say, is this factual or this is this an opinion? And it, it's interesting when you read these in the current context, right, of like our political dialogue. So for example, they have, you know, one of the factual statements, immigrants who are in the U.S. illegally have some rights under the Constitution or spending money on spending on Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, make up the largest portion of the federal budget, right? Those are factual statements. And then they have opinion statements. Immigrants are in the U.S. illegally are a very big problem for the country today. That's one. Or increasing the federal minimum wage to $15 an hour is essential for the health of the economy, right? So these are examples of opinion statements and then ask people to rate which one, you know, to decide what, what they thought they were. And there were some real party differences here. I mean, what did you think when you saw this? Yeah, I was fascinated. I mean, I, I went into this wondering what statements they had picked for their their sample or for the, the experiment. And it's a pretty good group of factual or opinion statements because it's not all facts or opinions from one side or that would favor one side's worldview. It did not surprise me at all that you had 50 percent of Republicans identify the phrase immigrants who are in the U.S. illegally are a very big problem for the country today as a fact rather than opinion statement um, that, that so many of them do not think that's an opinion. They think that is a, a fact. Um, and so that was that was coded as them being incorrect. And similarly, you have 37 percent of Democrats who incorrectly say that increasing the federal minimum wage to $15 an hour is essential for the health of the U.S. economy. So, the, you know, a healthy chunk of Democrats identified that opinion statement as a factual statement. I think the most distressing finding is one of the factual statements that was presented was President Barack Obama was born in the United States. 89% of Democrats think that is a fact. Only 63% of Republicans think that is a fact versus that lives on, I an guess. opinion. An opinion. Yeah. So uh, at any rate, you know, it, it, what it shows is there's, you know, no one side has a monopoly on not being able to identify the difference between fact and opinion. There, But the, you know, the President Barack Obama one is particularly egregious for Republicans, I think. But you also had, I mean, you know, a third of people, both Republican and Democrat, misidentified the phrase democracy is the greatest form of government as a fact rather than an opinion. I mean, I, I believe it to be true, but I believe I understand that that is an opinion rather than, right. you know, something that is verifiable in the way that two plus two is four is, I suppose. 
Um, but so that one, you know, that there was sort of the smallest party difference on on that response. Right. Interestingly, too, in this study, they what they did was I think they in a separate part of the study they showed respondents eight different statements, but they attributed the statements to one of three specific news outlets, and they say one with a left leaning audience, the New York Times, one with a right leaning audience, Fox News Channel, and one with a more mixed audience, USA Today. And they find that whether you're telling people that something's from the New York Times, not giving an outlet, or USA Today, there's not really a difference about whether people identify something as being factually correct or not, uh, or as a factual statement as being factual. But when you say it is from Fox News, a Democrat is less likely to say that it is a fact. Even if it is a factual statement, it is not an opinion. If you say it is from Fox, it is more likely to be assumed to be opinion than if you are Republican. Right. And so I think that's perhaps a little bit different than maybe conventional wisdom. I think the conventional wisdom would be that, you know, when you attribute something to the New York Times, you'd have Republicans less likely to say, to identify, correctly identify factual statements as facts. You see no difference by party if something's attributed to New York Times, but you do see this difference by party when it's attributed to Fox News with Democrats being more suspicious. So, you know, I guess perhaps this is a good and, you know, looking back to the specific facts themselves or statements themselves, I should say, because some of them are opinions. The ones on immigration, which we're going to talk about next, those are the one um, among the ones where there was the biggest party difference in ability to correctly identify them as facts or opinions. That's right. You know, the the one that was a fact regarding immigration was immigrants who are in the U.S. illegally have some rights under the U.S. Constitution. Forty three percent of Republicans believe that is a factual statement, but 65 percent of Democrats believe that is a factual statement. So more Republicans said that it was a fact that illegal immigrants are a big problem than said illegal immigrants have some rights under the Constitution. Right. But I thought I, I, I kudos to Pew. It's a really interesting study. And I was I was glad with I, I think they picked the right sorts of phrases to test. Yeah. And I, I think the results illuminate, you know, where there are particular blind spots on the right, but also that news literacy is not exclusively a problem of, you know, conservatives who think The New York Times is fake news. Yep. Yep. OK. So should we do family separation polling before we do sure. Trump, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think so. Stuff? This has obviously been there's been a relentless amount of news on this in the last couple of weeks, and there have been a few polls and we've talked about these before. Ariel Edwards-Levy will do these very helpful tables where she will compare when a variety of different outlets are asking the same kind of up or down question on a topic, but the wording is different and maybe the methodology is a little bit different and maybe is the, you know, don't know given or the, you know, are there live calls or what's the date, et cetera. And she'll put them in a table so you can just kind of compare them all. And sometimes when she does these, you'll see, you know, Outlets differ on whether people favor or oppose, you know, the the actual thing being discussed. That's not true with family separation. All the polls that she's included in this average, I don't think there have been any new ones since then. So it's Ipsos, Daily Beast is one, Quinnipiac is one, CNN is one, and YouGov, Economist is another. All show a majority oppose the question Wordings differ a little bit, you know, is it appropriate or not appropriate to um, separate undocumented parents from their children when they cross the border in order to discourage? I guess that's, you know, a piece. Do they, I guess do they all have discourage? I guess they all have discourage in there. Well, maybe not the CNN one doesn't have 
the two of them have the word discourage, like explain like the purported reasoning behind this. Um, the other two don't. Regardless, all four outlets show a majority oppose the policy and real big party differences, which is probably probably not a surprise, with Republicans supporting it. And that's true whether you look at in one individual poll like the CNN poll or if you average all the polls together that they've all released their partisan cross tabs. Um, if you average them all, a majority of Republicans support it, 55 percent. You know, it, they're all kind of in the mid 50s, showing you know, mid 50s uh, Republicans supporting it. And then if you divide that even further in the YouGov economist poll, Trump Republicans who voted for him in the primary are a lot more supportive of the policy than Republicans who voted for somebody else in their primary. So that's the lay of the land from the poll, you know, polling wise uh, on this. And it is, you know, interesting that the party breakouts are interesting in the context of all, you know, what is this current crisis mean for Republicans around the country? What are they, you know, are they standing up to Trump on this? Are they going to leave their party like Steve Schmidt did today? We're recording on Wednesday. And he announced that, I guess, this morning or late last night. What does this mean for, you know, Republicans who don't want to be part of this policy that's unpopular nationally, causing a huge amount of, you know, anger around the country, protests, et cetera, that are going to be happening next week, but Republicans support it. So what does that mean? So, uh, you know, what do you think when you look at this? Because I, <laughs> I know I know I have a variety of feelings about it, but I'm curious as to what Republicans think about it. So first, I mean, I think the average of those saying they support the policy, you know, winds up being around 29%. You know, some of these polls that specifically, the ones that specifically say that you are doing this as a deterrent to illegal immigration. They are coming in at about 27% support. I think it was about a year ago I wrote a column about how, you know, there's about a quarter to 20, I think it was 20 either 24 or 27% was like this magic number where if you were like, you know, Donald Trump just, you know, tweeted a video of someone being beheaded, is that presidential or not? And you'd have like 24% being like, that's presidential. Right. Um, you know, that th there's this consistent about a quarter of America that is ride or die with President Trump. And so the, um, the fact that when it comes to this policy, you have sort of whittled it down to where it is only that. These are exactly the types of issues that are a huge problem for the GOP. I mean, like, let's set aside the horrific images and like opinions on the issues and just sticking to the polling analysis. You know, the exact kind of issue that Republicans don't need in the headlines right now is the kind of issue that cleaves the 25-ish percent Trump ride or die folks from the rest of America because that Trump ride or die crew is a majority of the GOP. We are in primary season in many states. Um, you know, a lot of Republicans trying to figure out how not to have their base be depressed. How can we on our side have energy and enthusiasm that can match the Democratic blue wave? And if, you know, all of our members are out talking about how they don't like Trump or they disagree with Trump, you know, it's not that's not a good place to be. Um, you know, does it even gain you anything with independent voters if you come out and oppose Trump that is even close to the, what you would lose in terms of enthusiasm from your own base? So, yeah, this is this is like, the, like a, from a polling perspective, from a political implications perspective, a nightmare scenario because it is an issue where there are strong feelings, strong emotions, and it separates away this majority of Republicans who are not a majority of Americans away from everybody else. I mean, the other thing that I think is 
interesting or important to note here is, you know, typically speaking, I've seen this, you know, I've seen this in some polls, and I think it's also part of conventional wisdom, that Republicans are more motivated generally on immigration than Democrats are on the, you know, on their quote unquote side of immigration. And that may change now with with this, you know, and in the same way that it's changed on guns, right? You know, after Parkland and what have you, that right, the guns have shifted in that sense. Right, right. And so, you know, if you have, I mean, so what is the issue that is now going to have Republicans enthusiastic about going to vote? And is it, you know, support for the president, which, you know, may work in the South Carolina primary against Mark Sanford? um, But is that going to work in the, you know, 60 to 100 battleground congressional districts? Um, So, you know, those are the things that are, you know, up for debate, not to mention that this is, you know, this isn't a tweet. This is like a major, major policy crisis and human rights crisis of of like catastrophic reputational proportions for the United States and like human rights impact for children and, and, you know, just all, all, all kinds of you know, horrors for what this means in terms of, you know, our reputation abroad and what people think uh, here um, about how our government is run is beyond, you know, sort of a tweet or like, you know, a, you know, a thing that a staffer said or, you know, these things which are important. I want to minimize those other things, but are not like thousands of babies and in jail. So, you know, so we'll see how this evolves as an issue. Should it, you know, what's the end, what's the end goal here? How does this particular policy crisis end? What happens next? Is it, you know, is it something where the White House changes its policy? Is there, you know, are Republicans who are worried about the implication here, political or otherwise, who kind of stand up to Trump and say, we need to, you know, change something. There's debate, you know, the chambers and the parties are differing on how to tackle this, but that's probably moving pretty quickly. I'm sure by the time we push the show out, they'll all of that will be different. But it is, you know, causing a massive, massive uproar on the left, at least like massive. And it's also, you know, really kind of changing the dynamic of how, you know, of the coverage of what is coming out of the White House, because it's, you know, it's not simply about like, well, you know, this tweet is not accurate because of X, Y, and Z. I mean, this is really, you know, this is a, you know, this is a, is changing the, the, I think, how some reporters are viewing their responsibility or their role in in coverage. So, one thing that anyway. I do think is is interesting to your point earlier about how is this dividing the party? Um, you've got someone, so Marsha Blackburn, who is a sort of very prominent, very Trump supportive um, Republican candidate who's on the ballot this year. She's actually come out with a position that is. There is some daylight between her and the administration where she sort of decried this policy and said that she, like, thinks the White House needs to change what it is doing to stop this. I mean, of course, like, says, oh, this is – the reason this is happening is because Democrats messed up immigration law and and what have you. But she – you know, she has come out and put a little bit of daylight between herself and the White House, which is, I think, a sign of just how much this has cleaved everyone else away from the most – 
sort of Trump Trump diehard folks. It's also interesting in this Ariel Edwards Levy tweet. She she notes that in the YouGov Economist poll that they have voters who supported Trump in the Republican primary, which again we we know is about a quarter to a third, depending on what state you were in. If it's one of the earlier states, you know, it's not the majority of the party until you get toward the end. Is how I put the delegates together. You know, by a forty five point margin, they think this is the right policy. For Republican primary voters who supported someone else in the primary, much, much less so. Uh, It's only a plus eight margin. So this is – I wrote a column that is probably going to be up at the Examiner by the time the episode goes up. Uh, I got to bug my editor. You're going to scoop yourself. I'm scooping myself right here. Um, I wrote a column that is – it's sort of a taxonomy of Republican swamp creatures. Like who are the four types of Republicans you meet in – heaven or hell, depending on your point of view, um, and that you've got, you know, the the folks that really love Trump and have always loved him from the beginning and voted for him in the primary, and he represents the party they've always wanted. And for them, this is, you know, this is like the Stephen Miller is the avatar of this, right? This is like, hey, yeah, we're, we're being tough. We don't want people to come to this country. Finally, we're getting tough. Um, you've got Republican establishmentarian types, which is sort of your like Reince Priebus, Matt Schlapp, like, you know, I just I play for whoever the quarterback of Team Red is. And as long as they're putting points on the board, I'll go say nice things and put my MAGA hat on. But, you know, if someone else is the nominee eight years from now, then, I, you know, I won't be Trumpy anymore. I'll be whatever that looks like. You've got the kind of never Trump, Bill Crystal, uh, the artist formerly known as Steve Schmidt, you know, like people who are Republicans, but who for whom nothing Trump does is good. And Russia is always lurking behind every corner and one day Mueller is going to, you know, he's going to get impeached because Mueller is going to find that he did bad things. And then there's a fourth group, which is I jokingly call it the remnant named after Jonah Goldberg's podcast, which is these people who try to take things issue by issue. But as a result, there's no infrastructure or organization. It's just kind of like a collection of politically adrift and homeless Republicans who think everyone's lost their mind. Um, and this is one of those issues that I think is is putting a lot of pressure on the establishmentarian types. Because for the never Trump and for this remnant homeless Republican group, it's easy for them to come out and say, I think this is wrong. I think this is crazy. I think this needs to stop. For the establishmentarians, they're in a tough position because this is not something that I think they instinctively would like want to see. But how can they push back without betraying their quarterback? And so, yeah, I think that's that's the group that I think is within the Republican Party facing the most pressures uh, on like what on earth do we do about this? Yeah, I mean, for anybody who writes the sort of like, oh, Democrats are also divided, hot takes, you know, th- look at what's happening on this issue as a sign that Democrats are not divided. There, you know, there, there's no, there's not a lot of daylight between any Democrats on this. It's just a question of like, how many hours a day are you mad about this? You know, 23 or 24, you know, it's, it's that, it's that level of of level of upset and outrage out there. Are you good with people? Maybe you're organized or have a knack for numbers. Well, then chances are you've got skills that could lead to a new career. A Google Career Certificate can help you get a foot in the door with top employers in fast-growing fields like IT support, project management, data analytics, and user experience design. It's professional-level training developed and taught by Google employees. And it's all online, so you can learn around your schedule. Put your skills to work. Go to grow.google slash certificates. Okay, so I think, so moving on to North Korea, 
I feel and like we'll do North Korea real quickly because I oh. think well, this is one. I mean, we didn't. There's been some fresh polling that's come out. I realize we talked about this a little last week, but I'm I was curious to see. You know, did. Did the North Korea summit, A, move the president's job approval at all? Which if you look really quickly at Trump's job approval, it has very slightly ticked down. It's kind of the first time this year that there has been any observable downward movement, but it's still hovering at 43 percent approve, 52 percent disapprove. Right. But on the North Korea summit, I had wondered, you know, sometimes when he does things that are more, quote unquote, conventionally presidential, you know, do his numbers go up? Like the first time when he had the meeting with the Mexican president when he was a candidate and it was the first time people could wrap their minds around the idea of Donald Trump standing behind the presidential seal. And, you know, his numbers went up uh, a little bit, if I recall correctly. Um, So I was wondering, you know, would people think positively or negatively about this whole Dennis Rodman, (laughs) pot coin, whatever went down in Singapore? Um, Would Republicans be, you know, would there be any blowback from like footage of Donald Trump saluting a North Korean soldier? Right. Uh, All um, that stuff. Now, was it Pat? So Patrick, I think, sent out a tweet like, and I'm assuming it's referring to North Korea, but, you know, I didn't sort of linger on it for too long. Like, like it'll never cease to amaze me how Trump will step on good news to do something incredibly unpopular, something like that. I'm yes, paraphrasing. I believe I'm assuming he that. that this is what he was talking about, because compared to family separation, which, you know, I, I guess I guess he finds some thrill and kind of juicing his his hardcore base, even if, you know, the rest of the world you know, it looks on sort of aghast. Um, the North Korea numbers are, by comparison, better. They're not, you know, great, I guess, as sort of like this heroic moment. I don't, they're, that's a high bar. It's a high though. bar that I don't think he can reach with with anything right now. You sure. know, I mean, I don't, with Democrat, given the numbers he has with Democrats on everything, it's just like, that's a high bar, even if he, even if things had gone well, you know, because it's so partisan out there. But these numbers are certainly better, you know, a sign of something that like some people responded well to. My gosh, yes. I mean, the the idea that you're going to now be doubling down on and, you know, not fixing this thing that is a 25 percent of America's with you and everyone else is against you issue. And you're therefore not able to focus on the thing where 52 percent of America says they're satisfied with what was accomplished in this meeting. You have a major or you have 50 percent of Democrats who consider the meeting to either be a major or a minor achievement. Um, doesn't mean they're satisfied with it. Only, you know, 28 percent of Dems are satisfied. But nonetheless, say, even if I wasn't satisfied, it's something. It's a thing. I mean, these numbers are extraordinary. 67 percent of independents say that Trump's meeting with Kim Jong-un was either a major or a minor achievement. Uh, the, The fact that you had an issue like this, which could have been good for you, and yet it has been so squandered by this total mishandling of this immigration situation that you now have his numbers, his overall job approval very slightly ticking down is just like, I mean, it, it's not the first time this has happened. And, you know, you look at the generic ballot, which we can just touch on very briefly. I mean, the generic ballot had been getting better and better and better and better and better for Republicans for a long time. And then it kind of blew back out to where you have seven, you know, Democratic advantage. And now that Democratic advantage is big and has still grown. Um, you know, this should have been a good news week and Republicans should be doing well. And, you know, you've had good economic news. And yet, and yet. They can't get out of their own way. Yeah. By implementing policies that are 
whatever. Anyhow. Yes. Right. So, I mean, I think it looks like a plurality, if according to CNN, felt that um, North Korea got the better deal out of the agreement than Donald Trump. You know, still, these numbers are you know, better than other. I mean, you have more saying they're satisfied with this than say they approve of his performance overall. His approval rating, you know, never breaks 50, right? But you have a majority who say they were satisfied with this. So I think Republicans who were looking for some kind of like, okay, something good happened, found it in North Korea. And even independents who have been behaving like Democrats and a lot of things found it here too. Um, Democrats are going to be, you know, frustrated with Trump regardless. One final note in Trump world, favorable, unfavorable numbers is we got some fresh polling on Melania. CNN has asked people favorable or unfavorable opinion. Favorables have slipped a bit um, since May when 57 percent of people had a favorable opinion. She is now at 51 percent. But certainly her numbers are significantly stronger uh, than those of her husband. And... You know, I think it is interesting because she has kind of put some distance between herself and this this family separation policy as well. And you've seen other uh, former first ladies, Laura Bush, sort of notably speaking out. Um, I, I'm actually unfamiliar with an issue on which she has been so vocal right. uh, since since her time um, as first lady. And so, yeah, I would I need to check and see if we've if I can find a Laura Bush. And a Michelle Obama fave and fave to compare. But so Melania's numbers are very good when compared to her husband. Um, but certainly they have fallen just a wee bit in the last two months or last month or so. Yeah. And then we had another poll by Ipsos that has the fave on fave of all kinds of different celebrities. Oh, yeah. Um, this is funny. <laughs> like, I mean, they just put – I mean, as if they put a list – like, you can see the brainstorming that would go behind putting this list together. Like, who else should we include? Should we include LeBron James? Yeah, put him in. You know, what about Elon Musk? Sure. You know, Justin Why is Trudeau. Tom Hanks partisan at all? America. What's happening here? I mean, First of all, so Tom Hanks' is favorable is at 84%. His unfavorable is at 9%. Who's unfavorable to Tom Hanks? And Republicans, 77% favorable. Why are Republicans the least likely to have a favorable view of Tom Hanks? This doesn't make any sense. It's like when I see those numbers about my party and their views on Russia now in the Trump era, and I'm like, what's going on? Yeah, it's just like those numbers that came out this past week that showed Republicans more favorable toward Kim Jong-un than to Nancy Pelosi. I guess those are the same people who are same Republicans who are unfavorable toward Tom Hanks, I guess. Perhaps. Well, you've also Perhaps. got uh, the fave on fave of John McCain. The lowest group is Republicans. Democrats and independents more favorable to John McCain than Republicans are. I mean, th- this is just this is just, you know, there's just a lot of tough news this week about where Republicans go when this whole bad chapter is over. Republicans are about as favorable toward Roseanne Barr as they are toward John McCain. If you want to be upset, I mean, this is also like the moment of whenever this poll was done, but. Who are the 17% of Republicans who are favorable toward Nancy Pelosi? I'm interested. I'm looking through this chart and I'm finding all sorts of things where I'm like, I just want to understand this one number so much more. <laughs> what about the 14 percent of Democrats who are favorable towards Sean Hannity? What is happening? <laughs> <laughs> the 33 percent of Republicans who are favorable towards your boy, Justin Trudeau. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, why isn't Michael Avenatti in this list? I've moved on. Okay, Kanye West on. has oh. best numbers are among Republicans. I guess that story has uh, permeated the, the the universe. 
Yeah. Meanwhile, Jeff Bezos has similar numbers across party lines. So, you know, so Trump's trying to take him down has does not seem to have been successful. Everybody loves that two day free shipping. That's not partisan. <laughs> <laughs> so on this question, though, you know, when we're looking at all of these different celebrities, fave on faves, many celebrities have a political, uh, their favorables are heavily influenced by political party. Some who are less partisan, by the way. So Mark Cuban is another one where, you know, 53% favorable among Democrats, but 46% favorable among Republicans. I imagine if he were to announce that he was running for president, those numbers would polarize in a more partisan fashion pretty quickly. Um, but this poll also asks, right. do you agree or disagree? Disagree with the following statements. High level elected officials should have government experience prior to being elected. And Republicans much less likely than Democrats and independents to believe that because obviously it's a proxy for asking about Trump in a sense. Um, but would that view change if all of a sudden like Mark Cuban was a, you know, a Democratic candidate for president who was doing uh, quite well or an independent candidate for president who was getting a lot of third party support? Would people suddenly begin going, oh, well, I don't like Trump, but I do like the idea of some other experienced businessman with a reality show being president, <laughs> right. you know. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it could be that people really like Shark Tank. I watch Shark Tank a lot when I come back from a focus group. It's always on for like five straight hours, you know, in the evening. So I'm kind of a bit of a, it's a bit of a guilty pleasure. Now, the other thing about this experience question that I think is also, I mean, it is a proxy for Trump, but also Democrats typically, you know, value government while Republicans want to disrupt it in some way. So it could be that that difference it has some legs beyond our current situation. That is an excellent point. So World Cup. The World Cup. And so if you are not watching the World Cup, you are not alone. Among U.S. adults, only 20 percent say they plan to watch this year's World Cup, while 61 percent say no. Presumably the other 19 percent don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, among adults who watched the World Cup in 2014, there is a, an, an attrition rate. Only 71 percent of them um, said so they'd be watching the World Cup. Adults who attended an MLS game last year, only 67% will be watching the World Cup. Um, America's not in it. Uh, we, in a match where if you're interested at all in this, even tangentially, there's a great story about, I believe it was up at The Ringer, um, theringer.com, about um, the United States, the, the sort of culture of our men's national team and how they'd brought in this coach from Germany, Jurgen Klinsmann, who, you know, had helped in some ways bring us uh, to to greater heights on the international stage, but it's also sort of created an institutional culture that had some problems and, um, you know, which is sort of metastasized into uh, the U.S. not making the World Cup at all this year. Um, and it's, it's a shame because there is one of the best soccer players in the world. Maybe I'm just being like a pro-America, uh, you know, Homer boosterism. Um, uh, but there's there's a young guy who's on the men's national team who this would have been his first World Cup. And he's kind of in the prime of his career. And he's like it, the, one of the best soccer stars America has produced in forever, if, if not forever. And the fact that he's not going to get to be on the world stage in the World Cup is just a huge bummer. Um, so I have chosen to try to adopt teams based on whether my FC Barcelona beloveds are there. So mm -hmm. Argentina with Messi and Suarez, 
my beloved biter from Uruguay. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm sort of following them around. Spain has a lot of players from FC Barcelona, including uh, Gerard Piquet, a.k.a. Mr. Shakira. Um, so <laughs> he has <laughs> well, the most I didn't know that. That's funny. Oh, yeah. Piquet is married to Shakira, and he has, like, f- his hair is unreal. Sometimes I, I look at it and I don't understand it. Um, he's he's pretty fun. Uh, and then, of course, there's Cristiano Ronaldo, who is the enemy of all things that I love in soccer. But I, even I must admit that he is very pretty and apparently is actually a nice guy and is not a jerk. So it's kind of hard for me to hate him, even though he is, uh, you know, he's the, the main guy on Real Madrid, which is the main rival of FC Barcelona. Sorry. Anyhow, I'm rambling about soccer. So the you are paying is, attention to the World Cup is what it sounds like. I am. Yes, I am. Although I'm not... Unlike four years ago, I am not taking time away from work to watch games midday. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna treat this like I'm gonna like be warming up for my focus group. And so, okay, so I need to move on, Kristen. But it sounds like what you're telling me. Just I don't want to put words in your mouth that you oh, are really I'm into the world. Focus Cup group moderator. Oh no. <laughs> Okay, great. Anybody I'm else? Sorry. It's okay if it's just Kristen here. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Meanwhile, boy. morning consult shows that young, you know, there's like, there's not no interest in the World Cup among younger people. And that's, I think, part of like soccer becoming more popular with young people around the country for a variety of reasons. And you have like 38% who say they're, you know, likely to watch the World Cup among 18, 29-year-olds. So that's more than the Stanley Cup, which, you know, was big in D.C., but maybe not so much around the country, more than the Kentucky Derby or the Daytona 500, more than Wimbledon. So I think that's all, that's pretty interesting. So um, that is from Morning Consult in terms of interest. So among younger people, it's perhaps a bigger thing than among other folks. So um, some key findings. Now, I feel heartened, I suppose, that most Americans oppose family separation. But what does it mean for the Republican Party and its future right now that their voters support it? By comparison, the North Korea summit was good news for Trump. Um, What does it all mean taken together when we can't even agree on what is fact or opinion? Um, But at least we can get behind some interest in the World Cup. That's one organization the U.S., I guess, hasn't quit yet. You can find us on Twitter at at the pollsters, individually at at Margie O'Meara and at K. Anderson. You can find us at www.thepolsters.com or on Facebook, where throughout the week we post links to the stories we might want to talk about on the upcoming episode. You can send us a note, drop us a line, let us know what polls are on your radar, what things you'd like us to talk about, and we always love to hear from you. Have a great week, and, guys. And thanks, producer Richard Falwell. You're welcome.